feel like once I get a rug, I will be <laughs> able to make an amazing introduction and read all the books. But I don't have a rug yet. So you can't do introductions or read books. I can't do anything. You need your reading rug. I need my reading rug and my introduction rug. Said everyone ever. Sign on a window says lonely. Sign on a door says no company allowed. Sign on a street says you don't own me. Sign on a port says three's a crown Sign on a port says three's a crown All right, because three is a crowd, I'm here today once again with Kelly. Hello. My name is Daniel. We are here to talk about episode six. I've done this for six weeks. Six continuous weeks with no No interruptions. No interruptions. Every week, completely faithful and reliable. Every week. Yes. As we will be from here on out. (laughs) Uh, This is Outlaw Blues from 1965. It's bringing it all back home. Before we even start, Kelly, what... You like this song. I love this song. This song kicks so much ass. It's like so much ass. It makes you want to do cool shit. You're just like, yeah. It's... Like dancing to it in my head as if it's playing. Yeah, I was really excited to get this because this is we've done a lot of fun variations so far, even within six songs in one record. This is this stands out, and I know you were really excited to listen to bringing it all back home. And I know we talked briefly about it, and I mentioned a couple of the songs off of it just to see if you knew. I also learned today that you do know Mr. Tambourine Man, but you did not know <laughs> in any world that Bob Dylan even wrote the damn yeah, thing. Not at all. I thought it was a monkey song. No. Yeah. Or like, you know, something yeah, equivalent. Something equivalent. Yeah. yeah. No, not at all. So someday, uh, you know, we I guess we spoiled that a little bit for you. But yeah, Outlaw Blues is super fucking fun. It's just cool, man. There's so much guitar, so much harmonica. The piano is top notch. Mm-hmm. Like it's just blasting through something. So this record was, uh, or not the record, but this song in particular was recorded on January 14th, 1965. And it sounds like they're just having so much fun. Um, I think that there's some pent up energy from, uh, you know, the times they are changing and another side of Bob Dylan, you know, those records, those early records, the, the trilogy at the beginning with free will and Bob Dylan, those three were just Bob. They're just Bob. There's no backing band except for when he covers Karina Karina on the first record, you know, you get this nice little drums in the background, but beyond that, it's just him singing his songs uh, or piano him on the piano, but it's just him. And so this is really fun where it's just like, I'm going to let loose and we're going to go nuts. All right, so uh, like every week, we spend a week with the song. Uh, this week, again, it was Outlaw Blues that you just heard. So, Kelly, what was your week like with the song? Uh, just to delve in a little bit. 
like I said, I really loved it. I mean, it's just like, let's get ready to kick some ass and do some stuff kind of song. And uh, I don't know. Did you, you know. find yourself more productive when you listen to this going crazy? No. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> if anything, it made me want to just daydream and not do anything. Yeah, that's But true. pretend I was in a really cool movie about me kicking ass. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it almost feels like a little bit like I Want to Be Your Lover where these almost feel tangentially related but it's almost like he's doing these like sketches about himself this time and and i almost feel disconnected where it doesn't even matter you're just like you can almost put yourself in bob dylan's shoes almost yeah almost (laughs) um i love the harmonica that's the first thing i noticed obviously just wailing on that thing well you're gonna be stoked once we get the more songs from this time or even just the full record you're gonna lose your shit yeah uh, it, the the very opening immediately I thought of the Who, my generation. Like it oh, sounded yeah. just like that just song. That basic four bar. Yeah. Blue. yeah. We won't try to put us to death. Just because we get around. Yeah, it's a blues song. It is know? a blues song. It's an upbeat blues song. It's not like classic. What I think of blues, real sad, kind of slower tempo mm, thing. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, an upbeat blues song. Like, is up, is upbeat or as bluesy as like a white guy can make oh. blues music. Oh. <laughs> Ouch. Well, that brings up an important point that I think is it's better to get out of the way now. I think it's important to kind of go into into the blues itself. Now you, you've done, you you're a very strange person who like <laughs> loves like music from like the '90s. You're not so in touch with the real world now, but then you also like dig the '30s, '40s. Like you enjoy that. Like I think Triplicate is probably going to be you know Bob Dylan's record coming out later this month uh, is going to be right up your alley because those are just standard songs and they're in a certain key and all that kind of stuff. And you also know a lot more about jazz than I do. And something that I learned just from like my own knowledge, but also researching this for um, the podcast was, you know, I didn't realize that blues like pre-war, pre-World War uh, two, and even pre-World War one, really. I mean, back in the 1900s, there were these schisms within blues and like jazz. I mean, they all used to be almost considered the same thing. Um, and then, you start to get all these like crazy you know breaks and then jazz to me what it's always been is you know the musician's music so like Miles more Miles Davis and like Thelonious Monk trumpets and yeah those are tough uh and the saxophone and john coltrane i don't understand it completely but i didn't realize that they i know that it's like an offset of blues in the way that like rock and roll like even today is an offset of the blues which is an offset of all of this stuff in the past but i didn't realize it was so pointedly modern i mean it just kind of happened a hundred years ago and that seems i guess like a long time ago but and i guess in terms of like music recording it kind of was a long time ago 
I mean, we've only been recording stuff since the 1940s. And even those were just field recordings like we talked about before mm-hmm. on uh, I Want to Be Your Lover with Alan Lomax and John Lomax going off to record those things. Well, you're in Greenwich Village now where people come to get away from America. There's not jazz around here anymore. It's folk music. Jazz is high-hat and aging. The young people have gone mad over ballads and blues, guitar playing and banjo picking. We're recording here tonight. We're having a party, so come on in. Where did the blues come from? Memphis says, from the sorrows of the South. And that's true. But they also had a root in the lonesome love songs of Great Britain that lived on in the backwoods of the South. Urban-style blues, and then you've got the Delta blues, which somebody like Eric Clapton and the Beatles were obsessed with, you know, the Robert Johnsons of the world. Um, But then there's also country blues, Piedmont blues, I mean, like Appalachian, you know, blues. Um, You know, and then it went from uh, acoustic to electric blues. I mean, Bob Dylan was part of, I mean, probably the forefront of that type of blues music. And then we have blues rock, which I think, you know, would be characterized by something like the Rolling Stones. I think anything they put out today, people would put it as a blues rock record. Yeah, because Chuck Berry. And died. Chuck Berry, you know, yeah. RIP Chuck Berry. But even looking at something like cultural appropriation, you know, we look at like, um, you know, like Avril Lavigne, Katy Perry, Ashton Kutcher, you know, people who sort of mock and almost feels dirty. Oh, it super is. I mean, it's like beyond inappropriate. It's just trying to make a joke that is isn't even funny at yeah. the expense of people it doesn't make any sense to yeah you. so i think the word cultural appropriation definitely means cultural misappropriation at this point and i mean you look at even like hollywood movies right now i mean you have like the great wall with matt damon oh, you've got God, ghost yeah. in the shell with fucking scarlett johansson oh, i mean scarlett. right and those why so the the thing the reason i even made that comment uh and why we've talked about it before is because yeah. it's to me i've been having this weird relationship with stuff where it's you can appreciate something and of course be part of it and make it your own. The problem is, unfortunately, we live in America where we are not post-racial. We're not post-anything. We're in the thick of it. And what we do is oppress a group of people, take their stuff, and not give them any credit for it. Like, it's one thing to be influenced by blues music and then make it your own and then bring up those people with you or even just give all the credit to them in the first place and it's quite another to be like this is mine it's always been mine let me continue to stab you in the back keep you in prisons and make your life miserable so that so we're talking about two very separate things we're talking about uh, a political cultural and a social apparatus that is oppressing black people in this country that has existed beyond slavery I mean the day slavery ended is a day that some people think that these songs started cropping up uh, because, uh, you know, black people were able to actually move about and were able to share music and this sort work of work together and collaborate. That started to happen, absolutely. But what I think we're, I think what I think we're going to learn as we get deeper into it is that that's very much not the way that any of this happened. People like Lead Belly, people like Robert Johnson, all of these people are absolutely revered. Um, nobody was sort of pretending that they were Lead Belly. Um, and I think there's a couple of very interesting things that kind of I want to touch on and maybe get your thoughts on. So like Bob Dylan in his yearbook before he left to become Bob Dylan, you know, it was just Robert Zimmerman. What did he want to do in his, in his yearbook? He said that he wanted to join Little Richard's band. He just wanted to be in a band 
with what he considered to be the hippest, baddest music on earth. He was obsessed with Little Richard. He just wanted to be Little Richard. Well, all right, everybody. Let your head down. If you got on a wig like some people think I got on it, this is my own beautiful hair. What to do with the fellas? Take it out. I said, and get down a wig. That there's a difference, like you said, between reverence and completely taking something for your own economic gain. I think if Bob Dylan became uh, famous by stealing a, like a Lead Belly song or something, which would never happen because this music is too raw and is too real for it to be some mainstream hip. I mean, blues is deep in the soul. And I think it would be, I think the, the structures we're talking about, I think we'd be remiss to not see that there's a very deeply human element that transcends even race and it's a way that that guitar and the way that those chords hit and the me- the way that those bars hit you and they're supposed to hit you that is very human Chicken sneeze, nothing but a rooster saying his prayers, thanking his God for the bullets upstairs. He's a preacher. You shall be free. Taking up collection. You shall be free. Paying off an age. You shall be free. We're going to do this. Were they a part of this overall machine in the background? Sure. But were they people that didn't believe in the machine? Absolutely as well. Well, it's not really applicable to you and I or I would hope anybody that really listens to anything that we have to say it's one of those things you can't have it both ways you can't like rock music and then hate black people is how the way that I'm trying to describe the feeling I was saying like because it's like all the music that we have in America so much of what American culture is is actually black culture it's actually African American culture because it all started there we like the blues is rock and roll, and if it weren't for work songs, but like we said, there but, wouldn't be any but if American for, culture music. But if if it weren't for you know New England choir band, there wouldn't be this you know this other element that invades blues. And if there wasn't the railroads, there wouldn't be urban blues. It would just be sharecropper blues. It would just be work songs. It would be call and response music. This music has moved across this country with black people, white people. There are bands that sing in Spanish in Argentina that are this type of music that were influenced by those. You shouldn't be able to enjoy good music if you're a shitty racist. And that's a weird thing to bring up (laughs) on a podcast about Bob Dylan because I think we we stand, I mean, I think we made this clear in in, uh, I Want to Be Your Lover, is that we absolutely don't stand for that. You know, Alan Lomax's entire point of view was there is a connection to humans across the world. And by having these songs that people can listen to, a sharecropper in Alabama, some kid, some white kid up in Chicago who's living with a single mom, all of them can listen to a song and be able to approach one another on a bridge and say, I understand. Like, we all get it. There's something common about our souls. Because I don't think think any broad brushes is the best way to look at the world. I think that's what brings on kind of thoughts that are totalitarian, honestly. 
when you start painting an entire group or an entire history as something, an entire group of people as something, then you've started down the road to never understanding anything and you're moving off into a, a realm where there almost is nothing. I mean, it's almost postmodern to its complete climax where there's just nothing. That's kind of scary. Agreed. So this is Bob Dylan in 2004 talking about how he writes songs and sort of that idea of the folk tradition and whatever. So he says, well, you have to understand that I'm not a melodist. My songs are either based on old Protestant hymns or Carter family songs or variations on the blues form. What happens is I'll take a song I know and simply start playing it in my head. That's the way I meditate. A lot of people will look at a crack in the wall and meditate or count sheep or angels or money or something. And it's proven fact that it will help them relax. I don't meditate on any of that stuff. I meditate on a song. I'll be playing Bob Nolan's Tumbling Tumbling Weeds, for instance, in my head constantly while I'm driving in the car or I'm talking to a person or sitting around or whatever. People will think they're talking to me and I'm talking back, but I'm not. I'm listening to the song in my head. At a certain point, some words will change and I'll start writing a song. Drifting along with a tumbling tumbleweeds Hairs of the past are behind Nowhere to go but I'll find Just where the trail will wind That's not paraphrasing Wikipedia. Uh, to paraphrase Wikipedia, uh, Pete Seeger himself had previously expressed the view that Dylan is a link in a chain of folk and blues songwriters. Seeger has spoken many times about the folk process, often recounting that it was his friend Woody Guthrie who once told him Quote, that guy stole from me, but I steal from everybody. Rambling Jack at one time expressed a similar sentiment. He said, Dylan has learned from me in the same way I learned from Woody. Woody didn't teach me. He just said, if you want to learn something, just steal it. That's the way I learned from Lead Belly. <laughs> he was influenced by people who were already doing this, but he was Bob Dylan. So when he did it, it became something. He also just was in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people. You could say that about any art. Anything. I mean, like, yeah. Um, Mark Marin, one of the few WTF episodes I listened oh, to, yeah. was talking about these like uh, Amy Schumer was getting a lot of flack from these like terrible monster internet trolls uh, for stealing a joke of Mark Marin's that oh. just she coincidentally had come up with a similar joke to his, and he's like, "This literally happens all the fucking time in comedy. We all listen to each other. We all get stuff stuck in our heads that we feel like is an original thing, or maybe it little legitimately was even just like." We had the same thought at the same time. Right. It's completely possible. He's like, I know 100% she didn't steal shit from me. We almost, in a way, to have an original idea, we have to know what else is out there and yeah. sometimes regurgitate what's already been said and come down on a side of something. You know, you listen to Cold Irons Bound, it's like, okay, there's a couple interpretations. What's mine? So, getting back to the song itself, <laughs> again, we're going to talk about the blues a lot, but... Well, the part of this, the the point of this podcast was to talk about Bob Dylan through a lens of art, right? Through a lens and of like, art, yeah. I think that's why it's so funny because the song of of the ones we've listened to might be the the simplest, yeah. Uh, in terms of like you new know, length and even just the the verse size and uh, what it is, right? Because it is a straightforward fucking blues song, and it's Five great. Verse. That's why it's amazing. That's yeah. why it kicks ass. That's, that's why, why it makes you want to do some I know. cool shit. Absolutely, <laughs> it's just that upbeat, perfect four chord, nothing else. Yeah, blues song, just going. Um, but if we're looking at it in the, like, I've been trying to think about extrapolate to other things, and, yeah. And it just made me think of that stuff, not like to say anything about Bob Dylan, just about the the state of the world. Like, yeah, I feel like you can't. That's the problem. You can't 
just take things and not appreciate where they came from. But I think the appreciation is a million fold. I think everyone has been nothing but appreciative. I don't think that any of these people are saying that they're original. I mean, the Beatles would say first and foremost that we just copied Chuck Berry. That's all we did. We literally played, you know, roll over Beethoven just because he did. And he was the coolest man alive. And we wanted to be like him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, when you have reverence and respect for things, it's fine. I just, it, I wasn't thinking no, no. about I, I know Bob Dylan not. or even the song when I was thinking about those yeah. things. I just thought it was something to bring up. I agree. I think and it's, it's great. It's the perfect up. avenue to discuss it because yeah. blues is, if there's American music, it's rock and roll, right? And rock and the, roll, the yeah. rock and roll is the blues. I think it's important for us have the structures over here, have the music over here. The interlapping is people's lives intersecting that line. It's shameful, but this is not a history podcast. <laughs> uh, you know, but I think we will be bringing this stuff up plenty because there's plenty of instances where Bob Dylan definitely lifts stuff. And I think it's interesting to look at. And I want to learn more about the blues in particular, because one thing that we also want to do with this podcast is delve deep into things and not have those broken brushes. When I paint my masterpiece All right, so let's talk about the song. So overall, thematically, what what were you what were you seeing, if anything? Uh, again, I'm at a loss. Like, just initially, I had no idea about it. Like, yeah. I, I couldn't figure out what it was about because it seemed really disjointed. Like, especially the Jesse James thing was like, I don't have any context for this. I don't <laughs> have any context for the, like, the Australia thing is so just, like, That's in great. there. Yeah, it's lovely. It's super arbitrary. The sunglasses thing, I was like, well, I wear my sunglasses tonight because I'm Bob Dylan. <laughs> JK, I'm Corey Hart. Uh, and the woman in Jackson, the, the last two lines is, she's a brown skinned woman, but I love her just the same. And I was like, uh, uh, of course you do. Why would you not? And oh, I was like, well. oh, re- like reading Let me the things. put myself back into Let the Let me 60s actually figure and... out the context of yeah. it. And well, that's then it's good. Like, I think of course, little... the song is actually about civil rights, didn't you know? Yeah. Then we're working on a narrative scale where it's like, this person was caught with a, you know, with a black woman. He's a white guy, Bob, theoretically. And he then, I guess, talks about himself at some point as an outlaw, but he kind of like rushes out of the house, right? Her house or whatever, falls into this lagoon. And Possibly then wants, a lagoon. Well, yeah, right. Yeah. But then but then he then thinks like, I want to go to this Australian mountain range yeah. because I need to be away from here because people are going to kill me. People are going to whatever. And then he thinks of himself as, you know, I well, and even that could work because it's like, you know, Robert Ford is the guy who shot Jesse James. Mm-hmm. And so he would see himself as... I might look like Robert Ford, but I feel like Jesse James. Yeah, so, you know, he might look like a normal person, but he feels like the outlaw. Um, I think the best way to look at this is probably the way we did I Want to Be Your Lover, which is... Little vignettes. Yeah, vignettes in a way where it's just kind of five thoughts. They're maybe Um, loosely connected, but maybe also not. And I knew just because... I was in Virginia, but Loving versus Virginia happened in 1967, and so that was a Supreme Court ruling that declared all of those laws uh, across the South mostly, well, and also the North as well, uh, as completely unconstitutional. It was so, just two years after the song. Was two years after the song was written, so something like that would be, you know, sort of scandalous, especially if it's taking place in Jackson, Jackson, Mississippi. So, um, so that was always my take, but you know, like thinking about it more, it's kind of like 
I can see it as more of like a personal song. Like let's let's dig into them. So let's go like verse by verse. So we talked about the sewage pit. Um, I I think we also both saw, but like nine below zero as a song written by Sonny Boy Williams. Yeah, and down a people lay down a crime shame. Clive the crime chain. She wait till they got nine below zero and put me down for another man. You didn't know anything about Jesse James. No. Or Robert Ford. So you've never seen yeah, like, the assassination hey, of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. No, I have not. Starring Casey Affleck and Brad Pitt. No. Well, I would say that we could have watched that, but we didn't. Great story. Great story. But he ends up, <laughs> I mean, he does get, he gets shot by Robert Ford with Jesse James's back turned while he was, yeah. Hanging a picture. Hanging up a picture. Um, so he's ain't going to hang no picture. <laughs> he He's not going to hang no frame, right? Yeah. I don't want to turn around because I'm going to get shot by Robert Ford, apparently. Yeah. I think that that's, well. yeah, I think that's, I think that's right. I'm, I also think, you know, um, there's also the interpretation that this is like the folk community as well. He looks like Robert Ford. He looks like the assassin of folk music. The folk scene is Robert Ford. The folk scene is the coward who is about to shoot him. And so this is, I know that you know about this, but this happens, this, this was recorded in January. In July was when Bob Dylan went electric quote-unquote at the newport um blue uh, the newport folk festival it's like the one thing i know about Bob this Dylan. is the one thing you know <laughs> yeah so this is a hugely famous incident but yeah he goes he goes electric so we will definitely touch on that when it's appropriate but um so this is before so this is him like again he's supposed to be going into a studio if you will to record um things like mr tambourine man and um have you ever heard another Bob Dylan song? Oh my God, Mr. Tambourine Man and Gates of Eden, and it's all over now, Baby Blue. Uh, and instead, he's recording Outlaw Blues, and I'm sure he was patting himself on the back and was like, "Yeah, I'm uh, I'm an outlaw now. This is a uh, I'm off into a different territory." So you think um, this is like a premeditated comment on the almost a premeditated? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think he's just like, "I'm ready, man. You're. I know you're about to crucify me." Yeah. Australia, have you ever been? No, I would love to go. Yeah, me too. It's expensive. Yeah, it's, it's a expensive long to fucking get there, and it's expensive away. to be there. Yeah, but if you just went to an Australian mountain range and just kind of wandered about, it'd be so nice. Well, I don't think it'd be nice. It'd probably be hot as fuck. Oh yeah, and things want to kill you there. Everything wants. Everything to kill you there. wants to kill you. So Bob's not thinking this through. Ooh, maybe he just wants to go see the Smith Street Band. That's what this all was about. <laughs> all right. So verse four. Um, tell me what what's going on. He's got his dark glasses. Oh, sure yeah. does. So you're, he's wearing them at night. He's wearing them at night. He's um, got it for good luck. His black tooth. What the fuck is that? It sounds gross. I always, I always thought of it as like a that black tooth is just some sort of maybe some signal, if you will, that you know he made it to New York and he's on this journey, and so it's his good luck charm. He maybe didn't smoke before. I don't know. I don't know why that's what I think about. But apparently, this is also. Uh, an alternative last verse from um, a song that we'll listen to today. 
tell you the truth. That is just a great way to live. That's a great thing to tell people. You know, especially people that don't have much to say about the world or much to say about themselves. I love it when it's just like, don't ask me nothing because I might tell you what's what's up. (laughs) This uh, is right up there with the line uh, to live outside the law. You must be honest, which is from absolutely sweet Marie, which is on blood on blonde. But and then verse five, uh, like I said, I've been I've been to Jackson, Mississippi. I've been to Mississippi. It's terrible. Sorry, Mississippi. Sorry, Mississippi. So. I chose to to be confused. You chose to be confused, but you chose to be inspired (laughs) and to rock out. Yeah. Um, Yeah, this is like our first rock song, I I think, of all of it. Well, I guess I Want to Be Your Lover is pretty dope, but we're not very far off in terms of the recording process for that. I think only by a couple of months. So you're starting to see the connection between the two, you know? Yeah, I feel like every time I get more of a grasp on it, as I should. Yeah. Um, This was the first one where it felt like it was really part of my week and I really did think about it more in an art context, which is yeah. funny because it's like mostly I just wanted to turn my brain off and kick ass. So like, it's great that that song, this song that's seemingly so simple, this just yeah. like four chord blues song that made me think the most. Yeah, I love it. Well, and that's what we want to, that was our whole mission statement starting this podcast was like to delve into even just one thing would hopefully inspire us to do this on another level. And I, I think that the more critical thought you give to the world around you that isn't the broad strokes is going to yield things that are very unlike the kind of country that we find ourselves in now. Memory is so short in this country. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's something that I certainly want to rail against. So any final thoughts? Song is great. The song is great. All right, <laughs> we are done with uh, with episode six. Yeah, this was fantastic. I really fucking love this song. I cannot wait for you to listen to bringing it all back home. Let's go ahead and pick our next week's song. You ready to go? Yeah. All right. So let me pull everything up here. This is so exciting. It's I, like, what's the numbers? One through something. One through something. Classic. Classic. We'll cut all this out. Cut, 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 cut. All right, so that was our week. So, Kelly, before we go, we always like to talk about uh, the week as it was, what maybe we were doing or what we were into and where we're going in the future. So what would you recommend for people out there? What inspired you this week or what were you doing? Um, (laughs) Brought on by our Buffy podcast, I actually listened to the Sneaker Films album, Becoming X, again, because... God, yeah. I love it so much. I mean, it was kind of a fun song. I never heard of it before. Yeah, so 1996, Becoming X by the Sneakers. Is living in your heart. It's a trip-hop album. Prepare yourselves. It's pretty much the opposite of Bob Dylan. If you could think of, like, what's the direct opposite of Bob Dylan, probably that. See through me. I would recommend um, for anybody following on Instagram or anything like that, um, you know, obviously Chuck Berry's died, uh, 90 years old, legend. I don't really know how to sum it up in a quick podcast like this. Um, He was hugely influential for me. Uh, I drank out of my St. Louis uh, coffee cup and I just listened to him all day. And Spotify has every 
record you could possibly want. Even if you just start with like the chess recordings and you just listen to all of that, you are good to go. So I definitely recommend that. I also want to recommend a record that I listened to today that is probably the hardest hang you're ever going to have. Um, but it's by a band called Mount Erie. His wife died and he wrote this record called A Crow Looked at Me. And it's without a doubt one of the saddest, most heart-wrenching records I've ever listened to in my entire life. So if you're not looking for a oh my God. <laughs> for something like that, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps even talking about it. But if you are in, if you want to have something transcend your body and soul i highly recommend that record and i won't go into it here to give anything away but it is incredibly personal you almost feel guilty being in the room with him as he's singing these songs and the door is closing and he's playing the album on his on his wife's guitar and his wife's picks oh and god. yeah his wife died of cancer and it was like oh my god right after having giving birth to their first kid Stevens well and that and that's a and there's so there's so many records about death i mean and we talking about chuck berry but also leonard cohen bowie um and and and, yeah carrie and lowell this is a very sparse record but uh if you've never listened to him before i highly recommend it anyway he's a fantastic musician i can feel these memories escaping Colonized by photos narrowed down and told My mind erasing The echo of you in the house dies down We're going to go ahead right now and pick our next week's song. Um, so we are currently, uh, we're going to go ahead and eliminate Outlaw Blues. Exciting. I mean, it's really awesome. So we are going to go down to 658. Oh, that's like the end of the list. It's like the end of the list. We're almost done. All right. Let me go ahead to random.org and click this in. Oh, wait. I thought you meant that's the song you're picking. <laughs> My bad. Okay. I have not done it yet. I'm so confused. One All of right. 658. All right. So from, yeah, from one to 600 and six, 658. And we have triple zeros. Next week is our special episode where we are going to be doing our triplicate oh episode. Oh my God. You just like. Oh, I completely trolled you. You trolled me. I absolutely jerk. did. I was like, wait, did it malfunction? <laughs> What's a triple? Z- you ass. So God. next week. 
is is our special triplicate episode. We are going to be doing some stuff that we haven't done here. We're going to be experimenting a little bit. We are going to be delving deep into all three of the albums, and we're going to be talking about them at length. So we're not only going to talk about the standards, where they come from, some of the great versions of Billie Holiday's, the Nat King Cole's. The, um, oh, fuck yeah, I'm in. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, everyone, Miles Davis, John Coltrane. Yeah, Frank Sinatra did every single fucking song on this goddamn thing. All of it. So it's going to be absolutely wild. We actually have, if you follow Sound on the Window on Spotify, you can find our triplicate playlist if you're listening live. If you're not, it's probably gone. But we might try to do some fun stuff there, maybe in the future, or create a playlist for you. But tune in, because it's coming out on March 31st, 2017. If you're listening in the future, listen to it, uh, and then come back and listen to us, because we're going to talk about the songs and then talk about it in real time. Now, this is also a way for us not to put 30 brand new songs onto our list. Uh, again, triple zeros. We're not even going to do it this oh week. So join us at the end, though. If you love that, like I do, uh, we will be picking the song at the end of Triplicate next week here at Sign in the Window. Follow us online. Where can we find you, Kelly? At Automaton Flux. All right. And I am at Into the Roots. And you can find us at SOTW Pod. That's on Twitter. That's on Instagram. That's on Tumblr. That's our website as well, SOTWPod.com. We are everywhere. And we are going to go. And before we go, we want to emphasize... That if you are a fucking racist, you can fuck the right fuck off. <laughs> and you have you are not welcome here. Nazi punks fuck off. Nazi punks fuck off. Good night. Stop your backs and trash our homes! <laughs>